There's uh, so many countries where if you wanted to do some of those things, you know, work on a presidential, I mean, you'd no have way. to be like so high up in society. Yeah, you, Your you parents have to know would someone. Have, yeah, exactly. totally. And even to open a business, right? This is sure. the wildest thing. Like I, I get to travel. So I used to travel a lot for the brewery because yeah. we, we sold beer in, in Europe and we would sell beer in Spain. And I talked to folks over there and they would tell me, listen, it's it's not as easy as you guys have it in America. We, it's not just a competitive landscape. Yeah. It's just the regulatory side, the paperwork. And you just can't do those things in other places that you right. can do here. Everyone's always fascinated by that. But to us, that's what America is all about. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't matter where you were born, yeah. what your last name is, what your parents did for a living, who they know, any one of us can achieve our, yeah. our full potential in this country, right? And that's why this is so personal, to those of us that work at Libre, and for me too, like, I want, not that everyone's gonna have the same journey that I've had, but whatever their American dream, that's what Libre is fighting to protect. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, as 2023 is coming to an end, there've been almost 365 days to work on removing barriers and expanding freedom and opportunity. And we're taking time to look back over the past year in a four-part series, and we're talking with representatives from Concerned Veterans for America, Libre, Americans for Prosperity, and our very own podcast team, to talk about what stories they enjoyed the most, as well as what the organizations have been able to work on this past year. Now, this episode will be the second in our end of the year series. And today we're focusing on Libre and what they've been able to do in the Hispanic community this past year. We've had several guests on from Libre, including their president, Daniel Garza, talking about the border crisis, to Cesar Grajales, who came on to share his immigration story. And this, of course, was the episode that we won a gold award from the W3 Awards. And we're very proud of that. We've also had today's guest on before to talk about how inflation is impacting the Hispanic community. So I want to welcome Jose Malia, who is the CEO of Libre. Jose, thanks for being with us. I'm so happy to be back here, Jeff. This is so cool, man. Yeah. I, I get to come back. I must have done something right the last <laughs> you time. You did okay. Yeah, you <laughs> passed the last time. Listen, I, it's so glad, to, so glad to have you back. You were with Libre years ago, and we worked together then. And then, like, one day, you just show up. And I'm like, man, that guy's been, like, they must have stuck him in some office and wouldn't let him out for about, like, six, seven years. And then there you are. And you came back to be the CEO. So I'm, I'm really pleased about that. Thank you, Jeff. You know, it's it was always near and dear to my heart. Uh, the mission that Libre started with, tons of credit to Daniel Garza and the leadership of the organization back then for deciding to do something so bold, right? But so necessary. We need a yeah. voice that's talking to the Latino community about these important issues. So I was here from 12, uh, 2012 till 2015. I moved on, did a bunch of other stuff, you know, Started a craft brewery down in Miami, yeah. which you got to visit. Yeah. And then, you know, late last year, reconnected with one of our former colleagues. Uh, the opportunity was there. And I just thought, man, how amazing would it be to go back and be a part of that movement again? You've actually lived a pretty cool life. I mean, um, you and I have talked about some of the things. But I mean, you've worked on, uh, you know, you worked on Jeb Bush's campaign. Talk, talk about yeah. some of the cool things yeah. you've gotten you know, to do. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. I mean, and this is, again, not the... Like uh, to me, it's it, to me, it's a daily reminder. I was lucky to have been born here. Right, yeah. my parents migrated here. My dad from 
Cuba as an exile. My mom from Ecuador. Uh, and it was just a really fascinating childhood, kind of seeing both perspectives, right? right? Uh, one family that came here just trying to seek opportunity, a better life, and another family that didn't have a choice but to leave everything behind. And the nearest place, thankfully, was the United States of America. Sure. Right. Uh, but that upbringing, I, I was very passionate about just, you know, history and, and politics as a kid. And then when I had the opportunity to just volunteer in campaigns, I started doing that like so many of us have done before. Yeah. First campaign was Bob Dole in 96. <laughs> and I just thought it was so amazing that a kid from a working class neighborhood called Hialeah, which is right there in Miami, could be so close to something as driving in a motorcade right. and, you know, staffing people and meeting Gene Kirkpatrick and all sorts of other <laughs> folks that were, that were that was really cool. And then from there, I got to work on Jeb's governor's race in 98. Then the presidential election in 2000, yeah. which we had to recount, which was a total you know nightmare of a of an episode right um after that i came to dc was at the small business administration for a year and then i was personally to uh, andy card when he was white house chief of staff i did that for almost two years state department uh doing commercial and business affairs back to miami chief of staff to the mayor then i started my own business uh you know a little bit of consulting work but then got into the restaurant business because i love to eat yeah <laughs> which eventually led to a brewery and in between that I was a campaign manager for Marco Rubio in his Senate race. Uh, Newt Gingrich is state director in 2012 in Florida, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right before wow. coming to leave, right? Yeah. And then I left to go work on Governor Bush's presidential campaign in 2015. And yeah. then after that, I was like, look, you know, I'm going to go back to just focus on this passion of mine, which is being an entrepreneur and focus those next eight years mostly on that business uh, journey, which was a, a ton of fun. And now I'm back. So, yeah. yeah. What a great story. Yeah. I mean, that's a quintessential story, right? Of someone, like you said, you know, both parents, yeah. immigrants uh, to the United States. It, and yeah. I mean, it's know, a uniquely American yeah. story, you know, and I've, I've been fortunate to travel abroad and been a part of programs where you go in these exchange trips to other countries. Right. Everyone's always fascinated by that. But to us, that's what America is all about. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't matter where you were born, yeah. what your last name is, what your parents did for a living, who they know, any one of us can achieve our, yeah. our full potential in this country right yeah that's what's amazing about america and that's why this is so personal to those of us that work at libre and for me too like i want not that everyone's gonna have the same journey that i've had but whatever their american dream that's what libra's is fighting to protect yeah well and you know there, there's uh, so many countries where if you wanted to do some of those things you know work on a presidential i mean you'd no have way. to be like so high up in society yeah, you, your you parents have to know would have someone to, yeah exactly. totally and even to open a business, right? This is sure. the wildest thing. Like I, I get to travel. So I used to travel a lot for the brewery because yeah. we, we sold beer in, in Europe and we would sell beer in Spain. And I talked to folks over there that were trying to start breweries and they would tell me, listen, it's it's not as easy as you guys have it in America. We, It's not just a competitive landscape. <laughs> yeah. It's just the regulatory side, the paperwork. And frankly, opening a brewery in America is tough. That's a that's a whole episode. <laughs> we can sure bring our is. colleague Eric Bott in on that one because <laughs> he's got sure. some war stories yeah. from the legislative side. But you just can't do those things in other places that you right. can do here. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk about Libre. Ex explain, for those who maybe don't understand yeah. what Libre is, explain what Libre does. Yeah, so we're a grassroots organization, just like AFP, right? Uh, with the difference that we have an audience that we're trying to communicate with, and that's the Latino audience across the United States. Now, that is not a monolithic audience. That is a very diverse community. We have... Uh, Folks who've been here multiple generations. We have uh, families that were here before where they live became a state, like in New Mexico, right? We have right. families that have been there 300 plus years. Uh, and then we have folks that have just arrived to this country. Some are residents, some are citizens. So we want to engage with everyone because we want to talk about the values that Libra stands for. 
right? Well, we're fighting for it, which is the these principles of a free society, the principles of human progress, right. economic freedom, educational choice. Uh, well, we con- consider that center right issue set. Um, and we want to engage with them and educate them. But sometimes really what we find is when we start talking to people, they tell us, yeah, that's exactly what I believe. I just didn't know how to articulate it. And I didn't know how to, uh, how to connect with a group that, uh, that, that believes in that too. So it, it sounds, sometimes people look at us and they say, oh, that must be very difficult because there's this assumption that Latino voters are automatically voting in a liberal, uh, you know, for liberal policies and so on. Right. But when you really sit down with folks, you realize what they want are those va- to, are to protect those values that make America so special. The things we were just talking about, you know, being able to start your own business, yeah. being able to send your kid to the best possible school, it connects with them. So that's what Libre does. We have thirteen, actually now fourteen chapters uh, across the country. So we've we've added uh, recently Wisconsin and now Pennsylvania. But we're in 14 states where we have a really robust team of people uh, that are doing all sorts of great work. So we do the traditional uh, grassroots work that you would do to educate folks and do advocacy. But what's unique about Libra is that we also have a Libra Institute, our 501c3, that does a lot of work to build community. And what does that mean? So we want to engage with folks and demonstrate to them that, that we care, right, by doing these things that removes barriers from their lives. And that could be English classes, driver's license courses, sometimes citizenship classes, financial literacy, you name it. We empower our team to, to decide what's best for their community to build these relationships. And then when we do that, people suddenly realize, well, look, these Libra folks, they're, they're legit. They really care about us. And I want to learn more about what they believe. And that's when we open the door to all these other issues and they realize that there's alignment there. And, yeah. and they become our best uh, supporters, volunteers, and sometimes even our staff, a lot of our staff that's joined the team came by way of these events. Yeah. You talked about the alignment there. You talked to actually, uh, struck me how you were just talking about some of the, uh, that it's not a monolithic community, right? The Hispanic community is, I mean, there's a lot of difference between a a Cuban in Miami and, you know, someone from Mexico who lives in, you know, Arizona, let's say. Uh, so that's very different, but I'll tell you the commonalities that I see in the Hispanic community. Tell me if I'm right. Hard work, mm-hmm. like the ethic of of just hard work, values, uh, generally uh, pretty strong on kind of family values yeah. and the importance of family. Um, and and those are core things that 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 when I think of America, that's what I think yeah. about. Right? Is hard work, the ability to come to the United States, work hard, and make a living off of off of your hard work but also belief in those those core values yeah. of family of of morality of faith all those that's things that's it that's is that right i think you nailed it and yeah that, and that is a that, again it, it's not to say that it's one uh, it's not a monolithic group sure, of course but that is at the core of the community no matter where you go sure. and whether it's one generation two or three you still you still have that shared uh sense of family sense of you know we're in it together we're trying to do something to help each other out, you know, neighbors talk to each other. They try to help each other out just like they did wherever they came from. And, and as a community, um, I think that's the opportunity that we have is to engage, uh, those pockets that are in some, some cases in states where they've never really had a, a big presence before, uh, and, and try to help them to get organized and have a voice and, and build on that foundation of faith, hard work and family. Uh, and in other places where they've been for a long time, fight some of these other agendas that are out there that have been trying to change some of those values in the community for a long time to, you know, one of the scariest things that we've seen and not to be negative, right. Or or put some, uh, a damper on this, 
But recently, Libre did polling, and one of the scariest stats that we found, and I remember a similar poll 10 years ago where we asked the same question, uh, do you think your children in the next generation would have, will have the same opportunities that you did? Back in 2012, it was like 56%, and we thought that was worrisome. We're like, oh boy, it's more than a majority here, like more mm -hmm. than 50% believe the next generation will not have. They're worried that they won't have the same opportunity. Today, it's 81%. Wow. And that's scary because that's when people start to lose hope. And I think some of that is a, a reflection of the failed policies of the Biden administration and this terrible economic situation we're in, but not just beyond Biden, kind of what they see with the overspending, inflation, all these terrible things. But also there is an agenda that's out there. There are these huge organizations that are trying to convince people that the American dream is dead and the only way to get ahead is by relying on government instead of relying on themselves. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what we're fighting up against. And we once we sort of show up, we quickly start to, you know, uh, do away with with that myth that yeah. they're trying to promote yeah and that's important right for people to understand uh, i mean for america to survive and to continue to be america we have to have folks who are reliant on themselves and not relying on government that's right and and uh you know government is always going to be out there kind of fighting that and pushing it and trying to get more people kind of i guess addicted to government and government spending but it's our job, right? It's every American's job, I think, to say, look, we, we can make it in America on our own. We just need uh, kind of government in some ways to get out of our way and stop creating these barriers. Yeah, well, we just need the right conditions, yeah. right? We just need the right conditions and to, to be allowed to achieve our full potential. And everybody wants that. That's the beauty of it, that yeah. at the core, like you were saying earlier, and I think most Americans want that, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do feel that the Latino community, they tend to over-index in that, and you see it historically largest amount of small business owners, right? Open it at a higher rate than anybody else, um, which is a huge job creator in these communities because they want the dream. They want to achieve their dream. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Libre this year did, had a lot of kind of firsts. I know you had a, a fly yeah. in to Washington DC, but what do you think are some of the biggest accomplishments of Libre in 2023? Cause you yeah. just started as it, when did you yeah, come so back? We started like, in April and I saw April. you like my second day on the yeah, job. Second day. And I'm like, Hey, was, they let the guy out of the office. Yeah, and, and funny enough, I remember <laughs> we, we collaborated back then. Yeah. And, you know, we did a lot of stuff in 2012 and 14. And when I saw it, I was like, Oh man, there's Jeff. I, I'm glad he's still here. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so you started then, what do you think yeah. has been uh, the, some of the great accomplishments over the last several months? So one thing that I, that I, that I love about this organization in the eight years that I was gone is that the sort of foundation that we set back then, and it was early, we were all over the place with some of the things we were doing. We were focusing on a different issue sets, but the talent that's been brought onto this organization is amazing. We have incredible people. And I could say that across the board with our whole community, but at Libre, we really have a group of dedicated people who care deeply about their community and they are willing to fight for that, right? They, they, they really believe it. So that's a great start. So what we've been doing this year is thinking about how do we sort of evolve to meet the moment? We have a big challenge ahead of us, right? We have mm -hmm. a big challenge in our national politics. We have a big challenge in, in, in just the policy arenas. But we also have a big challenge with this community, right? We have a huge amount of new arrivals that are, that are arriving here, some uh, through means that are not, you know, are not, are not the right means uh, through the illegal immigration that we're seeing. Yeah. And as a community, we need to really get in front of these things. Plus, the Latino community has the highest population growth rate. In those 10 years from 10 to 20, we represented, I believe it was almost 50% of the population growth of the, of the country. And that's going to continue. So if we think about that as an organization, we realize, okay, we got to lean into engagement. 
But the grassroots stuff works, the advocacy and, and the stuff we do to promote policy. But we got to think a way to, to shift paradigm, right, which is a term that we use a lot in, right. in our community. And we need to do that at scale. And so we started to work on a couple of different things. One of them is strategic partnerships with a team that already existed at AFP and thinking about organizations that we can partner with, where we could find common ground to reach more people and engage more folks, leveraging the reach of those organizations. And the other side is on the media front. We have to really create new content, similar to what you're doing here, Jeff, which thankfully we were able to do a really cool project, which we'll talk about yeah. in a minute. But yeah. we got to create more content. Libra has to create more content. We got to tell more stories. And we've got to engage people where they are, which is on streaming platforms, on their cell phones, in social media. And I give a lot of credit to the team, our partnership team that supports us, Stand Together Comms and Marketing and Daniel and some of the other folks that we work with that are committed to that, right? And I think they they understand that. And, and we're going through this sort of uh, brand uh, re um, analysis and, and realignment. We went through a realignment of our vision as well to cast a, a, what we call a North Star mm -hmm. that was really... Uh, inspiring and, and that was really going to motivate us towards that goal that we just talked about, which is helping the American, uh, the, the Latino community across the country achieve their full potential. Right. Yeah. And I also think that that community will be a vanguard towards protecting these values and principles that have made America so special. Yeah. If we do this right. Right. You meant you brought it up. I'm going to, because I was going to do it later, but we'll just do it now. Uh, we're partnering on American potential yeah. and there is now a Spanish version of American potential. Talk about that yeah. and, and how important so that is. I thought this was just awesome. Potencial Americano. I love, by the way, the name translates so well, which is really cool. <laughs> right. Which, so that was, that was a, a great, a great uh, benefit. Uh, but we got here, this podcast was, you, I think you were, you had just really started. Just started in February. In February. So yeah. we were in April and I think in the summertime, right? Yeah. I, and I actually give you credit because I feel like you're the one that brought it up. I'll give it to John quick. Or John. John right? thinks of every yeah, good idea for the podcast. Call, like John. in the summer. Right. And I remember <laughs> talking about it and I had already picked up a couple episodes because I'm, you know, just notoriously listening to podcasts. Yeah. And I thought, man, it's pretty cool. But it just clicked. I said, I said, yeah, this makes total sense. The beauty of it is that we were able to use some technology along with some, you know, some other support that we brought on to the team to help us that's doing this amazing translation work, uh, which is really cool. I think it's special because, you know, sometimes people say to me that are native Spanish speakers, yeah, it sounds kind of weird because we know Jeff and he he's, he doesn't really speak Spanish, <laughs> but he's, he's speak I'm like, yeah, look, we're used to when we're native speakers and, and, and we speak English, when we hear translations, we think it's a little weird, but people in Latin America have been listening to you know, great American movies that sound awful <laughs> that are dubbed. At least our dub is a little bit better. But I think that yeah. the key here, though, is the message. Yeah. This message needs to get out there. Exactly what we were just talking about. We need to tell these stories. We need, And yeah. people are hungry for it. Unfortunately, here, we've been dealing with two major news networks that dominate the debate that traditionally have been on the left. Now, some of them seem to be wanting to come to the middle. But we need to be the ones that are creating our own content and telling these stories to the Latino community. So, I think the the potential success in the in the Spanish language with the Spanish language broadcast uh, uh, potencial americano project is even greater than what you've achieved in the in, with the English language program. Uh, yeah, the success you've had this year. So I'm super excited about it. Yeah, well, we're excited about it, and I think you know I've had people ask me about it, and I think you know what a great opportunity for us to reach out to a whole new community with the message because the message is the same. Right. Yeah. The language is different, but the message is the same. Right. That the government creates these barriers. We have to break these barriers down. And if we do, we'll all have a better life because we've done it. And and that's yeah. the message. 
And the stories that you bring are so uplifting and empowering that you can't help but listen to that and feel like I can be a part of this. Yeah. In my own way. It doesn't mean, I mean, we'd love for you to come volunteer at Libre or at AFP or CVA, right. but that doesn't have to be the only path. You can be effective by just being an advocate for these issues in your community, by educating yourselves, by doing the right thing when elections come around, serving your best interest, not what some organizer or some community organizer is trying to convince you of. And I think because of that challenge that we have where there's been a void uh, in, in this and a voice of that represents these principles and these values, they a lot of them haven't heard it before. So anything that we can do, any content that we can create, we're going to get a lot of benefit from that because the, the canvas is is completely blank right now. Well, and, and I appreciate that partnership. We're really look excited and looking forward to it. Now, I want to talk about the fly-in. Y'all yeah. did a fly-in. First time ever, Libre did a fly-in to Washington, D.C. and to Capitol Hill, took uh, activists and, and, and Libre folks up to the hill. Tell us about that. So, uh, you know, I think I, I can't take It's funny because a lot of folks have told us, hey, great job and so on. But this was such a team effort that I feel like almost embarrassed to take credit for it because we have a great team. Have you noticed, Jose, that like all the good ideas, it's never our idea. It's always we get all the credit. Exactly. Well, we get the credit. Yeah. Well, yeah, so okay. we get the credit for it. But I, I will say it was our entire team, our, our you know federal government affairs team that started this process. They did a great job with the vision. AFP had been doing this for years, right? And CVA, I believe, had done it. So we just took the, the approach that, look, Libre has something to say about these issues. We also have amazing talent at the state level, our, our state directors, our Libre strategic directors that are part of our team. And so we brought them all up here and we didn't really know what to expect. We knew that we were going to get some members to show up. But what was there were two things that were really fascinating. One, how good our team is, like I mentioned about the compassion and all that stuff that makes them great. But they were good on the stump. Like these guys were up there. Guys and gals were up there just hammering doors. I think we had. I want to say a couple of hundred meetings with a, a team of like 13 or 14 yeah, people, right? right. Uh, of, of states plus us, so maybe 20 of us, but we we had a ton of meetings. Uh, we exceeded all expectations on that. I might have, you know, set the bar low there. It might be even more. <laughs> but so they were great at that. But then the members responded so well. I, I had a great meeting with Congressman Style, I believe is how we pronounce it, from Wisconsin. He was awesome. You know, he's got a lot of energy and passion. And he started showing us videos that, of things that he's done in the Latino community. In, in his district, I believe it's like 11% suddenly uh, Hispanic vote, which is a big deal in, yeah. in a close race, right, in these swing races. But he's engaging. And when we told him that we were just about to open a Wisconsin chapter, he was ecstatic. And he's like, sign me up. Once you start the chapter, I want to work with you guys. And then other members that were saying the same thing to us, like, hey, how do we get you involved in my district? How do I get you involved in, in in our community we left some information behind and then we have members of congress that took our our data from a recent poll we had conducted and wrote op-eds or retweeted it and posted it without us prompting them to do it so it really validated the the work that 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 we've been doing for all this time and you know the credibility of the brand and the fact that members of congress want to work with us right uh it was really uh, encouraging and rewarding to our team as they were knocking on doors but now what we need to do is this is build this talent pool keep doing this work so that when the when the climate is right we can actually all of us work together to pass good policy yeah 
Uh, we've been able to tell some great Libre stories on the podcast. I don't know yeah. if you've heard some of those, well, but you know, we'd love to hear your, your thoughts your, on... Your gold medal story, Cesar Grajales, <laughs> man. That guy's a star. Cesar, <laughs> yeah, he, he, is a, he is a star, and that was a great episode. But what, I mean... Thinking through some of the podcast episodes we yeah. did with some of the Libre folks, which which ones are your you so look, favorites? I, th- I think Cesar's is, is very inspiring. Yeah. Cesar is another person that just, he represents what America's all about, right? When I met Cesar in 2012, he was a contractor. Daniel Garza, who you also did a great episode with. And Daniel- You is, call him Dan, though. I call him Dan. I, I can't believe Dan. it. I've never- then, You know, when I met him, we, we were working at the White House, and it was, all, it was a guy named Dan, Dan Garza. You know, but I did So and now you, I- you Everyone say it now, and everybody's like, Who "Who's Dan? Dan?" I'm like, "Oh, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel." But but Daniel is just an incredible communicator. His story is so impactful, um, and I know he talked about what was happening at the border and immigration and and those important values. But Cesar's narrative is fascinating. Like Dan will tell you the same thing. The most interesting person in Libre is Cesar Grajales. I think just you know his story of migrating here with nothing. Uh, yeah. le- run, leaving a country that was in chaos due to you know uh, socialist guerrillas, right? Like the yeah. FARC and all that stuff that was going on, and then taking any job. Yeah. Like Cesar just came to work. His family literally had like fifty bucks in their pocket. They had you know, enough for the for hotel, hotel room for room one night. night. Yeah, and they all went out there and worked <laughs> and found a way to get some money together. And today, his parents own their own small business. In fact, his mom just helped me out with some some tailoring that I needed with a recent jacket because I've. Put on a little bit of weight. It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, so I'll have to visit yeah. her. <laughs> Cesar himself has become an entrepreneur. He's got a shoe business. Yeah, where he's making these beautiful leather shoes. Cesar is also a successful musician that yeah. you know did I've a bunch that. of stuff in the music business. So when Dan introduces me to this guy and says, "Hey, I really want to consider hiring this guy," I'm like, "Where'd you find him? I've never heard of him." You know, I was an activist <laughs> in Miami. You kind of yeah. know every volunteer. He's like, "Don't worry about it. He's amazing." Guy <laughs> comes in. I'm like, "Who is this guy?" Dan met him on a soccer field. Yeah. And immediately though, he got it, and I was like, "Wow, they, he he can really express what we're all about right. even better than us." And he understands what's happening in the community. So Cesar's story is amazing. I I love that. I love that episode, and it it was so good that. You want a gold medal on it. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever you have Emily on, I love that too. Yeah. Because yeah. she's the boss and yeah. it, it helps understand the the yeah. vision and the mindset and where we're going. And, she did a great yeah. job. And she that is the most listened to episode we have. There have been over 500,000 people who have listened to Emily's podcast. It's episode. a good episode. It's amazing. And, and it was well-timed with everything that's going on. And I think it, it puts our organization in, in an amazing position. So, you know, kudos to, to you and to Emily for doing that episode. But I'm going to surprise you with I'll okay. tell you my, my recent right. favorite episode. Okay, Eric Draper, White House photographer. Was that amazing? That was awesome. Okay, so, so you you worked with Andy Card. I, I worked with Eric, and here's a funny story. Oh, you did. Okay, and I, and cool. I, and I'll shout out Eric, and he'll remember this. <laughs> we used to, and it's it's a funny thing. It happens, right? We have similar complexion, similar height, had similar haircuts, <laughs> and we used to get approached all the time. And people would ask me questions about the White House photo office and then ask him questions about Andy Carr. Is that right? <laughs> and, and all the time, Eric would call me. He's like, hey, you need to call so-and-so. They just, I, I, I didn't want to tell him I wasn't you. And I'm like, well, don't feel bad because I just got a question about someone about where's their photo. And I'm like, why are they asking me this question? And then Eric and I played basketball together uh, for a little bit. And we would we were in opposite teams all the time. So I, I really admire Eric. He's one, an incredible talent. Such a nice guy. Yeah, right? super. But he's been in the room and he's witnessed, he's been a witness to history and his oh, book is amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I really enjoyed that episode and I was fascinated by it. I love that sort of behind the scenes look at history. 
I uh, actually would love to get Andy Card on sometime. So I better oh, talk to you. I, I, we'd yeah, love to do that. Yeah, he'd be great. He, he his, would be great. His 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 path in, in politics is also fascinating. Having served as a legislator in the yeah. Massachusetts uh, Assembly, there where he was, I think he was the the minority leader at one point, ran for governor. Yeah, and then how his story of how he ended up working on the on the on the eighty presidential campaign with then Ambassador Bush and President Reagan, who becomes vice president. So he's got tons of stories, plus everything yeah. that happened in in our and in, in the Bush administration. Yeah. I'm sure it's he could fill more than one episode. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I really was, I, I, to me, and I, we're going to talk about what our favorite episodes are with the podcast team, and I got to tell you, Eric Draper was right up there. I mean, he really, that was a fascinating thing, and I met him through Burley Kane, who no was way. the New Mexico State right. Director's like... Yeah, because he lives in New Mexico now. Yeah, he lives yeah. in New Mexico, Eric Draper does, yeah. and he was the wedding photographer at Burley's wedding. He does wedding photography, <laughs> Yeah. That was a great That's how we team. came across him. Yeah, so. Eric's great. And he still, he'll, like, he came and did some stuff with Governor Bush when I was on the campaign trail. So we spent a little time together. When he did his book release, I hosted a reception for him yeah. uh, down in Miami. We're still friends. And, you know, we, we, every time we see each other, it's a, it's a great flood of uh, amazing memories from, from that really well, special time. Next time I talk to him, I'll tell him I met his brother, Jose. Yeah, his twin so brother. His, his twin Cuban brother. His Cuban and it was funny. We, we, we make jokes out of it. Like, we sometimes even joking around with, you know, continue the conversation <laughs> with people. Like, <laughs> so. That's great. All right. Well, listen, if listeners want to get involved with Libre, yeah. how can they do that? I would uh, recommend that they visit us at belibre.org. Uh, that's our website. Uh, we also have great social media platforms, which which uh, our team is doing a great job. New staff has come in. They're doing a great job with, with those platforms. So belibre.org, our social media platforms. Engage with us. Uh, if, if you want to, you know, even if, you yourself, you might not be Hispanic, but you have friends or relatives or neighbors that you want to recommend Libre to, please do so. And we'd love to get them involved, have them come out to one of our events and see what we're all about. Awesome. Jose, thanks for joining us, man. It's, it's great. And thanks for your great partnership on, on the podcast and on so many other things. We appreciate it. Yeah, this is awesome. All right. So if I get to come back a third time, am I the only? You do. How many, have you had any three-time guests? Maybe Drew Klein from right. Iowa. That's a good he one. He might be a good one. up there. I think he's been on three times, but we'll have you on a fourth just so you there can you beat go. Drew. Perfect. If nothing else. <laughs> Sound good? Thanks, Jeff. All right, buddy. All right. The fact that Libre and Jose coming to join us uh, and, and talk with us today, uh, they're doing such great work in the Hispanic community and elsewhere. And uh, I'll tell you what, I love working with great people. It's one of the great things about working with Americans for Prosperity. They hire amazing people and you can tell by listening to jose he's he's a good one he's a good person he's a good human being but he also knows what he's doing he has that passion and love for liberty and for freedom and he talked about it you know coming from uh his his beginnings and uh you know his immigrant parents to a country uh and, and growing up here in a country that gave him all this opportunity and he's here to defend that we need to do that as well uh, thanks for joining us uh, for another episode of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. Potential.com.